0: Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with Lou Weiss, who's the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio. He's also the president of All Metals and Forge Group, that currently sponsors Manufacturing Talk Radio. If you're looking for open die forgings or seamless roll rings, check them out at steelforge.com. Joining us today is Mark Fleming, who is the president of the Academy of Business Training. Mark, thank you for joining
1: us. Thank you. And I thank you as well. Well,
2: thank you as well.
0: <laughs> Glad to have you on the show. Give us an idea because it sounds really interesting. And I, by the way, I'm on your LinkedIn page. I encourage people to go to your LinkedIn page and read your post. It's a six-minute read. Learn a bit more, but share with us the Academy of Business Training.
2: Well, the Academy of Business Training was basically formed um, after I had about a 40-year a run with the construction and manufacturing, basically started it just to have something to do in retirement. Uh, it has now grown to be one of the uh, leading U.S. providers of short-term manufacturing training. Uh, when we say short-term, we're talking one to five days because most people don't have time to spend six months in a class going one hour a week or something like that. So that's the reason I, I went with the short-term program. Um, We provide a full range of uh, manufacturing training. Uh, We have a production planning class, warehouse management, supply chain management, lean training, Six Sigma. And then we have a suite of leadership classes for supervisors, managers. Uh, We have an operations and plant manager leadership training class. So it's a pretty comprehensive set of uh, courses for uh, manufacturers to get them up to speed with best practices.
1: How do you do that in five days?
2: Well, it, it, it varies on the course. I mean, the courses, uh, the, the, each day is eight hours. So if you take a typical college course, it's it's one hour, uh, two or three times a week for three to three to four months. So right. we just cover it all in, the, in a matter of few days. And you have to understand that college courses typically are set up for people that have no experience. Everybody that takes our course has generally 10 to 15 years of experience. So you don't have to explain the fundamentals to them. They know the fundamentals, what they're looking for are best practices. That's interesting. It's interesting. So, uh, and how big are your classes? Well, we the, one of the things that I wanted to fix when I started this school, when when I was sending my people to training, I typically was not happy with the results. Uh, there were three three issues that I wanted to fix. Issue number one was the qualifications of the instructors. Most instructors in business training, it's a fallback position for them. Uh, they're there because they can't find work in whatever it is they're supposed to be good at, which then begs the question, why am I sending my people to be trained by somebody I probably wouldn't hire Uh, So the requirement to train here, they have to have a minimum of 30 years business experience uh, and at least five years in a senior management position for whatever course uh, they're teaching. Problem number two was class size. Uh, We'd send people to class. There'd be 10, 15, 20 people in the class. We even sent a group to uh, one class and there was 200 people in it. It was a Microsoft class. Uh, you're not going to learn anything in that kind of an environment. You can't ask questions. You can't have your particular issues addressed. Uh, so what we do is our public classes and webinars are limited to uh, four to six students. If we do on-site training, uh, we'll allow up to 12 with the, under the theory that the people all know each other and are, are focused on the same problem. So you can allow more in, a, in an on-site group training. The third problem that I wanted to address was we would jump through all the hoops to schedule a flight, book a hotel, um, book a car, schedule somebody to fill in for somebody for the, for the company to cancel the course a day or two before it was supposed to take off um, because they didn't have enough students. And so the way I fixed that is we've never canceled a class in the whole 13-year history of the school the only thing we had to do was uh, during COVID, we had to switch people that were scheduled for public classes to the webinar. So we never really canceled a class; we d- we just shifted people to the the webinar. So those are the three issues that I wanted to fix when I started the school.
1: So you you travel all over the country?
2: Yeah, we'll we'll send the instructors any place that's deemed safe by the U.S. State Department. Um, Biggest share of our our training is done on site. Uh, most most companies want the the instructor to be there. Uh, we usually the instructors get there uh, a, a day or so early to to get the nickel tour, so they can see what what um, they're working with. To, if they're doing warehouse management training, to, to tour the warehouse. If they're doing production planning training, to take a look at the production facilities, their their production lines and how they're set up, which gives them a better understanding of what what problems the company is facing. Hmm.
0: Mark, um, many of the uh, educational programs to skill people up contain a certificate that you can get at the end of the course or CEUs continuing education units. Does the Academy provide either of those?
2: We do uh, on, on completion of all our courses, you get a a certificate of completion. Um, our accounting and treasury courses offer uh, uh, CPE credits, which are for for uh, CPAs continuing education for CPAs, and we offer that. There really aren't any. I mean, there are there are some there there are some companies that that issue credits, but it's the credits are kind of a bar to entry. It's kind of a Old boys network, and it's it's designed to keep keep companies coming into it. They've set it up themselves. They've they've created their own certification system. Um, and the, the, you know, quite frankly, any certification is only as good as the company offering it. So uh, you know, if you're if you're looking into training, you want to look into the to the background of the of the um, the school. One of the things that I highly recommend is asked to see the um, the instructor's resume. That's where you're going to expose these companies that are hiring people that that just can't get a job anywhere. and that's you know that's what you want to avoid. you You want to get somebody that's got a lot of experience working uh, doing the things that that you need your 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 people trained on. are you are your uh, instructors uh, contract? instructors or are they they they're 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 full-time um Hmm. we don't we don't play the adjunct instructor role where people you know fly in and out our people are all all full-time they're all um either at or um ready to retire um like i said they've got to have a lot of background to to teach here uh they have to know what they're doing they have to be able to pass on practical information to the students we want our students to get value from the training they receive, and the, with the evaluations and reviews we get, most you know it's rare that we have a student that's that's dissatisfied. And if if they do express dissatisfaction, um, we reach out and try to re- resolve whatever you know wherever they thought the course failed. Uh, we we try to reach out and try to understand that, um, make you know correct whatever uh, failing they thought we had, and then move on. And I think that's the way we've, we've built, built the school up over time. It's unusual for something like that to happen now. Early on, when we we're you know, trying to figure out how to do this, um, we would get students that would say, well, I thought that this should be covered or that should be covered. And as we've gone through time, we've, we've adopted those things within the courses so that they're pretty comprehensive now and they don't leave really anything out. So if I ever change my mind about retiring,
1: I can get a job with you, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think you'd probably be qualified. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Urgings. <laughs> well, it, it would probably have to be about marketing, which is what I primarily do. Um, uh, as you could tell from Manufacturing Talk Radio, we have four other podcasts uh, which we only run them. We don't host them.
2: Well, and I think those things are important because when you when you look around, if you're trying to find training for people, uh, it, it just is almost non-existent, or it's an online course where you don't get to interact with an instructor. Uh, there's just all kinds of downsides to most the most of the training that's out there. That's why I was so disappointed when I was sending my people, We, we I was very rarely satisfied with the end results. So that's, like I said, that's why I started the school. I wanted to fix those problems and provide uh, you know, the resources for companies to get the training that they, that they really need. So Mark walk our
0: listeners through a course or two or a, Study group or two of what they can actually, what course they can take, and what they can expect to learn.
2: Well, uh, probably our most popular course is, is production planning, and we go over uh, the fundamentals. We talk about the uh, the course starts off with uh, the latest technologies, three um, D printing, um, the different the robotics. Uh, we get in. We discuss blockchain. Um, try to give uh, students an understanding of the technologies that are out there that are available to them Mo- you know most of the companies that take the training they're totally unaware of a lot of the new technologies um, I tell I tell my students you know if, if there's if there's a process within your operation that you want to automate the odds are probably 99% that that technology already exists it's just a matter of finding it and understanding it, and, and adopting it, and using it, so we, we start off with kind of the big picture in production planning, then we go we go into uh, like the different things, like uh, the master schedule, uh, we talk about ERPs, MRPs, uh, we get into the, the, the primary thing that people, manufacturers have to understand is for quite some time, it's been make to stock, Everything was was we, we, you would go work on a forecast. You would make quantities based on that forecast, and then you would sell from those. Well, there's been a a monumental shift in the industry. Companies are going to make make the order. We don't want to make something until we actually have an order for it. So, in order to enable us to do that, we have to we have to begin to work to create what's called supply chain visibility. We need to technology to be able to see uh, what's going on at the at the point of, of the end user, the, usually the consumer, or it might be a business-to-business. Now, you can look at, the, you know, you can look at like Walmart and Amazon and the, the big national chains. They are in the process. They are in the early stages of this. They already have their, their uh cash registers, their their point of sale equipment, where, where the sale takes place, everything is barcoded, it's scanned into that system, that system then uh, their distribution center can get in there and pull that information out uh, and then restock overnight or, or every few days so that it reduces inventory at the retail level. That is now moving back where the distribution centers are now getting connected electronically with their Uh, first-tier suppliers, and those first-tier suppliers can see what's going on in the stores, so they know what the demand is, and they negotiate reorder points so that the uh, manufacturer knows that when this item reaches this point, they're going to get an order, so they can prepare for it. The same thing now, where things are is companies are working on getting a little bit further back into the supply chain. They're connected with the first tier suppliers, but those suppliers now need to get uh, electronically connected to their suppliers and then ultimately the raw material suppliers so that we have complete supply chain visibility and we're not making anything unless we have an order for it. So going from this make to stock environment, which was supported very well by an MRP, a materials requirement planning system. Those don't work so well in a make-to-order environment. So when we go to make-to-order, we have to switch to what is called production activity control. And it's a whole different process. Uh, We have to kind of change the way we do business, and and that's what we teach in the production planning uh, class, getting ready for this transition to complete supply chain visibility. Uh, we have, the next most popular course we have is a warehouse management course, and we teach you know warehouse best practices on how to maintain your your warehouse using ABC classifications. Um, we recommend people get uh, what's called a labor management module for their ERP, and the labor management module uses uh, barcodes so that every every action that occurs in the in the warehouse or on the production line. Is tracked by a barcode. So, if in the production system, for instance, let's say you have a a machine breakdown. Well, when that happens, the operator is going to enter a barcode, entering a reason why that machine stopped working. Like it could be a you know a jam, um, pre, you know premature failure, something like that. All of those things are collected by by the new uh, the new systems so that you can. You know have a really good handle on what's going on in your in your production uh, facility and in your warehouse. So those are our two most popular courses. so in in
1: a broad context, this is AI living and breathing.
2: Well, you do need you do need AI because you've got so much data coming into those systems that that it's just it's too overwhelming for people to to sit there and try to make sense of it. So the, 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 the data is collected through, I mean, you know, you've got uh, probably in any given day, you've got thousands upon thousands of barcodes being entered telling that system everything that's going on in the, in the production facility, in the warehouse, uh, you know, orders are coming into it, accounts payable is using it, accounts receivable is using it. So it's a massive amount of data. So you have to have the, you know, the the artificial intelligence systems in there to make sense of it. And then it takes all that information and puts it on a dashboard so you can see what's going on in within your facility, at, you know, at any given moment. I love AI. Oh, it's incredible. It is. It's absolutely incredible. Elon Musk is not a big fan, though, as of a week or two ago. Well, I understand. I understand where he's going. Because I think it, you know, AI does need to have some controls placed on it. You can't just let it let it run rampant because then it then it starts to become invasive um, and starts to enter, you know, starts to interfere in in our personal lives. And I don't think anybody wants that. Mark, I'm just curious if
0: in the production planning course you get into without particularly recommending, but discussing the different suppliers of software that manufacturers can reach out to when they're looking at their ERP or their, their MRP or their PAC systems?
2: Well we do go we do go over some of the the products provided by a lot of the different software companies. Uh, we, we talk about the the 3D, the, the various 3D printing uh, manufacturers. We we do expose students to the you know the 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 uh, market leaders and at the end of the course, we give them a, a sheet that, that uh, lists all the major suppliers of the different types of systems um, at, uh, when the course is complete. So you don't sell, I'm sorry,
1: you, you don't sell software. Uh, you just recommend what
2: might be best. Well, package. we 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 actually don't recommend anything. We We make students available of what's out there and then encourage them to Because they need to find something. One of the biggest mistakes I see when when I do consulting with manufacturers is the front office senior management will investigate these ERPs, these different software systems, warehouse management systems, and they'll pick the one that they think is best. The problem with that is, is it may not work. for the the way that they do business. So one of the things that I strongly encourage everyone, if you're going to be buying new software or new hardware, make sure that you involve the people that are actually going to be using it because they can alert you to, hey, this thing doesn't do what we need it to do. Or if we get this, we got to change the way that we're doing things to accommodate this system, which is the last thing that you want. So the proper way to buy these things is to figure out is is to get your house in order to get your get your practices down the way that it works best for you and then find software or hardware to support it, not the other way around, which is a, you know, a huge mistake. Our uh, our
1: primary business, All Metals and Forge Group in 2004, uh, we wanted to uh, bring in uh, a CR CRM type system. And we what we found was that a lot of these systems, you have to run your business the way their program works.
2: Exactly. And, and, and it that's did, that's the didn't work. That's backward of the way to do it. You you figure so out how we, you want to run your business and then find something that will support the way that you run your business. Because there there are dozens and dozens of these things out there, you're you're set, definitely not locked into the to the one. Now, one of the best resources for finding these things is your trade association. If you're a member of a trade association, a lot of these associations have gone together and uh, hired these these companies to make a system that works for that particular trade. Right, right. We had. Uh...
1: When we were going through that, we determined in 2004 that there really wasn't anything out there that would help run our business. So we went through the incredible expense of creating our own in-house system that to this day, every month we're making alterations, fix this, add this. Can it do this? Yes, it can. If it can do this, can it do that? Remember that one, Tim? Oh, you're famous for that. <laughs> yeah, it can do this, can it do that? And that winds up costing you a lot of money. But the good news is that we had AI before it became normal and uh, commonplace.
2: Well, and that's the nice thing. if you If you purchase through a trade association, All of those development costs, all of the upgrade costs are all shared among the members that are using that system. Um, Most of these systems now operate in the cloud um, where you don't have any on-site servers or anything like that to have to deal with.
0: Well, Mark, we are short on time and we really appreciate you sharing this with us. I think it's incredibly important that our listeners know to get a hold of the academy of business training so what's your website address
2: academyofbusinesstraining.com real tough to remember <laughs>
0: all right <laughs> well i want to thank everyone for listening to this episode you can find us on uh google play and apple podcasts uh, iheart radio spotify uh, youtube rumble we're getting out there all over the universe so we appreciate everyone tuning in and we look forward to chatting with you again next week on
2: manufacturing talk radio
1: thank you mark i appreciate it as well
2: well thank thanks you. for the opportunity to share things with your audience thank you very much